0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Well, today we are continuing our series on prayer. In fact, we're in part number seven, uh, and we're talking about meditation. We're talking about biblical meditation. You know, in the series of prayer, we've talked about a lot of different things. We've talked about everything answering the question, why do we pray? How do we pray? We've talked about praying in the spirit and how that's a benefit to us, how it empowers us to do God's will. We've been talking last week, we talked about prayer and fasting, what fasting is and why it's important for us to do it and how Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast. And today we're talking about meditation, which is another crucial part of Of prayer. And I think many times when we think of meditation, we think of something weird. You know, especially in America. I know for me, when I think of meditation, I think of Rafiki from The Lion King. You know, I think of um, sitting crisscross, applesauce, pockets on the floor to anyone's. Kindergarten teacher ever have them do that? Anyone? Okay, two of you in here did. That's, that's good. Two of you did. Um, just embarrassed myself for no reason. Yeah, sitting, sitting crisscrossed, my legs crossed, sitting on the floor. Uh, I think of, you know, sitting in a corner with some candles lit, like making some weird noises. Many times when we think of meditation... That's what we think of. But actually, if we look at God's word and if we look at the original meaning behind meditation and look at how we, how we see it in God's word, our eyes are going to be open to see that it's not something weird. It's not just sitting somewhere with some candles lit, making some, some weird noises, but it, it's actually very, very powerful. And it's a benefit to you and to me. And let's look at our key verse today. It's found in Joshua 1.8, and it says this. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Then you'll make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. A couple things to look at as we look at this key verse right here. It really breaks down exactly what meditation is is. It says what? It says, and if you meditate in it, what are we talking about? We're talking about God's word. And when this, when this verse was spoken, they didn't have the entire Bible. And luckily, we today, we do. We have the entire Bible so that we know God's word. We know the end of the story. We know the beginning of the story. We know the in between. So we have a benefit. But what does it say? Let it not depart from your mouth. It should be continually coming out of your mouth. Does that mean that every time I speak, Every conversation I have, does that mean that I have to be quoting scripture, giving the reference to it like I have to be doing that? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. It means, though, that everything that I speak, every conversation I have, it what? It speaks life, that there is life and there is words coming out of my mouth that align with God's word. It doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be quoting scripture all the time, right? That'd be a little bit ridiculous. I couldn't even have a normal conversation. But it does mean that I speak life. That when I speak, when I have conversations, when I post things on social media, what am I doing? I'm saying things, speaking things, posting things that align with God's Word. It shall not depart. shall not stop coming out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Then you may observe to do according to all that is written. What? When I meditate, we're going to talk about what that means in just a second. When I meditate, it helps me walk in obedience to God's Word. Then I will observe to do according to all that is written in his word. That's what it says. But look at this. The last part of that verse, verse, it says this. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Then God will make your way prosperous? No, you. We've been talking this entire series. We've been talking about how you and me, we have a part to play that yes that god is uh, he is all knowing he is all powerful he is a sovereign god yes but god has done something amazing for you and for me god has bound himself to his word he's bound himself to his word that if he said it he will do it and part of that is what us partnering with god to carry out his will in our lives and on this earth as it is in heaven, we have a part to play, and that's what meditation does. It helps us, it helps you and me, what? Live a successful and prosperous life. That's what it says. Then, if you meditate, if you speak God's word, if you're meditating on it, if you're walking in obedience, what is it promised? Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. There's a promise in here for you if you choose to meditate on God's Word. Let's talk about it then. Let's talk about it. The first fill in the blank is this, if you're taking notes. Biblical meditation involves speaking. Biblical meditation involves speaking. Biblical meditation, meditation is not lighting some candles, sitting in a corner somewhere, and making some weird noises, okay, for long periods of time. That's not what it is. Biblical meditation is not clearing your mind. Well, I'm just going to get quiet I'm going to make some noises. I'm going to hum for a little bit. I'm going to clear my mind. Can I tell you this? If you clear your mind, if you try to remove all these thoughts from your mind, you're opening the door for the devil to place thoughts in your mind. When I clear my mind of everything, I'm opening the door for the devil to plant thoughts in my mind. I'm giving him an open door. Christian meditation is to be solely on the word of God and what it reveals about God and his works. Christian meditation is to me solely dwelling, speaking, thinking on the word of God, not clearing my mind for nothing. No, I, I am eliminating distractions, yes, but why? So I can more focus on God's word. In fact, let's look at this definition of meditate from the original Hebrew word. It, it means this. There's a few definitions here. This first one is the most accurate. Then there's some alternatives that come from the the root word in the Hebrew meditate. Let's look at the first one. It says, to quietly repeat scriptures in a soft, droning sound while utterly abandoning outside distractions. The second one says, to speak with oneself, murmuring in a low voice. And I love this last one. The same root word for meditate in the Hebrew is the same meaning as the growl. Of a lion over its prey. The growl of a lion over its prey. Man, I love that. This is why God's word is so amazing, because this is God's will for you. Many times I think we get confused. Many times we get confused thinking that, well, we're going through life and the devil's trying to attack us and the devil's coming after us and we're the ones being hunted by the devil, right? And God's word does say what? That the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is looking for people that he can hunt down. But can I tell you, God's will for you is that you would not be the hunted, that you would be the hunters. God's will is what? That you would meditate on his word day and night so that you can have success in all that you do. And when the devil comes to knock, if I'm meditating on God's word, what can I be? I can be like a lion that is growling over its prey. What's its prey? It's our enemy. It's, it's demonic attacks coming in our lives. It's it's physical attacks, spiritual attacks coming in our lives. Whatever it may be, if it doesn't align with God's word, it can become my prey. I'm going to go. I'm going to devour it with God's word. Not in my own power, but in the power that is within me, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the, wor- the world. That is God's heart, his desire for you. Meditation. Biblically, is not a passive thing, but it is an active thing, and it puts you and me in the offense. It puts me on the offense that I am going after something. I'm not laying down whenever the attacks come, whenever the devil comes knocking, when sickness comes knocking, when fear, when, when, when depression and anxiety, when these things come knocking, I'm not going to lay down and take it. God's word is what? It says, no, if you meditate, on his word, which is what it's speaking, speaking his word. What happens? I become powerful, I become bold, and because I become bold, I can take care of anything that's coming against me. Look at Proverbs 28:1. It says this: the new living says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. The wicked Run away when no one's chasing them. They run, they tuck a tail in fear, even when nothing bad is actually happening. They live their life in fear, running. But the godly are as bold as lions. This is how you and me look to our spiritual enemy when we meditate on God's word. When we meditate on God's word. So how do I really do it? Right? If meditation, biblically, is speaking, right? it's repeating scripture, in a soft voice. It's eliminating distractions. How do I meditate? How do I actually do that? What does it look like? For you, it can be as simple as whenever you're driving in the car, you can be praying, God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you that today's the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God, I I need your wisdom right now. God, I'm facing a tough decision, and Lord, I need your wisdom. I don't need my wisdom or man's wisdom, but I need heavenly wisdom. Your word says that if we lack wisdom, we can ask for it, and you will give it to us liberally. And God, I believe your word, and so I ask you for it, and I'm expecting to have your wisdom in Jesus' name. God, I'm facing this sickness in my life. God, this thing that I've been dealing with for too long, your word says that by your stripes I was healed. And God, I believe that, and I receive my healing today. I thank you that even though I feel in pain. Even though I feel sick, I thank you that I choose to believe that your word is true above my feelings. I'm walking in complete healing. I'm expecting it today in Jesus' name. What am I doing as I go throughout my day? I'm not quoting scripture by reference per se, but what I am meditating and speaking softly as I'm driving in the car, as I'm walking into a meeting, as I'm going throughout my day, what am I doing? I'm meditating by speaking God's word, reminding myself of his promises, building my faith. I'm doing something for my spirit. But here's the biggest thing about meditation that we have to realize. Meditation is what? It's speaking biblically. We have to realize that we are meditating on something, whether we realize it or not. You are meditating on something, whether you realize it or not. It's your words. What are you speaking on? It's what, it's what the, the, the Hebrew definition is what? To speak with oneself. What are you saying about yourself? What are your thoughts as you're driving alone in the car? How do you, fe- how do you feel as you go throughout your day? Are you living in defeat? Are you living in fear? Do you let any anxiety control your day? What are you meditating on? You're med- meditating on something, whether you realize it or not. What's your words like? Do your words align with the life of God's word? Are you speaking life? Are you asking God for help? Are you praying throughout your day, meditating on his word day and night? If not, the devil's going to come knocking and he's going to kick your butt every single time. Biblical meditation involves speaking. It's you and me speaking his word over our life, what day and night. Let it continually be on our lips. So let's ask the big question then, why? Why do I need to meditate? Why do I need to meditate on God's word? We looked at one verse, right? Where it talks about if you meditate, you're going to have great success. That's good. That's a good thing. But there's other reasons why we need to meditate. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, fill in the blank. It builds my faith. Why do I need to meditate? It's because it builds my faith. You know what I love is over the past several weeks, we've been talking about a lot of these similar things. We've been talking about building our faith, especially when it comes to prayer and fasting, when it comes to praying in the spirit, how that helps build our spirit up, our spirit, man. It's like a a workout for our spirit. We've been talking about all these things. And what I love about God's word is that it's all so simple. All of these things over all these weeks that we've been talking about with prayer, what they all come together simply. They're not complicated, and if, if we're not careful, the most complicated thing, we can, we can turn the simple thing into the most complicated thing. And then we make it so complicated we can't even understand it, and so we just live our life in defeat and, and lay down and take what the enemy tries to throw our way rather than living life according to God's word, which is his will for you and for me. It builds my faith. Let's look at a verse here in Psalm 77, 11 through 12. This is the Holman translation. It says this. It says, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. I will reflect. I will meditate. Meditating on God's word. It reminds me of God's character. How does it build my faith? It reminds me of God's character. I will reflect. I will meditate. I will speak God's word. And when I do that, it reminds me of his faithfulness. It reminds me of his promises. It reminds me of his goodness. It reminds me of his love for me. It reminds me. And whenever I am reminded of his goodness, of his character, what happens? It builds my trust in him. It builds my faith in him that if he said it, he will do it. And if he did it before, he will do it again. And and, and though I may be facing a battle that's tough, my faith can be built because I can say, God, I know that you are the God that makes impossible things possible. My situation God, it seems impossible right now. Your word says that if I had faith as a mustard seed, what would happen? I can move a mountain. I believe right now, God, you're helping me in my faith to move this mountain. I can what? I can meditate on God's word. It builds my faith. I remember if he did it before, he will do it again. Look at Romans ten seventeen. It says this. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing... By the Word of God. A more accurate translation to that would be this. So then faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing by the Word of God. It's an ongoing thing. In the original language, it's an ongoing action. Faith comes by hearing continually, always the Word of God. Can I tell you this? The best way. For you to hear God's word is to hear yourself saying it out loud. The best way for you to hear God's word to build your faith is for you to say God's word out loud, loud enough where your own ears can hear you speak it. This is why I encourage people, man, in your quiet time, whenever you're reading God's word, read it out loud, even if it's a whisper, read it out loud where you can hear yourself. Because it's going to build your faith. It's going to boost your faith up. And before you know it, you're going to be hearing God's word. It's coming from your mouth, but you're hearing God's word come out of your mouth. And your spirit is saying, oh, man, I know that. I know that's truth. I'm believing that. And your spirit is feeding on it and what your faith is being built. Last week we talked about this verse right here, Matthew 17, 20. Why is it important to build our faith? Matthew 17, 20. Jesus told them, his disciples, he said, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Look at this. Nothing would be impossible. Nothing would be impossible. I don't know what you're facing in your life right now. I don't know if you're facing a mountain, a physical mountain, a sickness, a, um, a, something going on in your family. I don't know if you're facing a spiritual mountain. Maybe it's an addiction or maybe it's something going on behind the scenes. But can I tell you this? God's word promises, Jesus promises, that if we would have the faith, even of a mustard seed, which is what? It's a crumb. That little bit of faith can what? It can move mountains. What does it say? Nothing would be impossible. Why is it important to build my faith? By meditating on God's word. Why is that important? So that I can move mountains. And when I can move mountains in my life, guess what happens? I have the faith. My faith is then like a snowball. It continues to grow and grow. And what I can start to move mountains in other people's lives. I can pray and watch God work in other people's lives as well. When my faith is built, I can move mountains. Why do we meditate? Number one, it builds our faith. Number two is this. It renews my mind. It renews my mind. What we have to remember is this. Our spirit is made brand new at salvation. It's made brand new. We get a brand new spirit. God's word says that what? He takes out that old heart of stone, that spirit of stone that's hard, and he gives us a soft, brand new heart, a brand new spirit, which is what? It's actually a piece of his spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. He puts it on the inside of us, and now we are made brand new on the inside at salvation. Our spirit is. But even though our spirit is made brand new at salvation, we have to renew our minds daily. In fact, we have to renew our minds throughout our day. What does that mean? I have to make my mind brand new throughout my day. I have to renew my mind throughout my day. Let's look at Romans 12, two. It says this. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renew your mind. Don't be, don't be like the world. We're called to be different. We're not called to live like the world. We're called to live and to shine like bright lights in a dark, perverted, twisted world. We're supposed to live differently. When people see us, interact with us, work with us on the job site, they should say, man, those people are different. You are different than everyone else. That's right, because I have Jesus inside me. His Holy Spirit is working in me, and it's working through me. I should be different. But transformation, what happens? It comes from renewing my mind. When I renew my mind, I can live like Jesus. But I have to do it. It has to be a, a, a conscious decision every single day. If you want to see God's will come to pass in your life, it starts with renewing your mind every single day. This is what Romans 12:2 promises what? It says. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind every single day in God's word. And then, what does it say? Then you will prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Then what? God's good will for you. His perfect will for you. His acceptable will for you, for your life, will show up when what? When I do my part. When I renew my mind. If I want to see God's will come to pass. In my life as it is in heaven, what do I have to do? I have to renew my mind daily. Let's look at another verse here in Second Corinthians ten three through 5. Why is the mind so important? Look at this verse. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Look at this bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing some thoughts into captivity? No. Bringing just the the really bad thoughts into captivity? No. Bringing every thought captive. What does that mean? Whenever a thought comes into my mind that does not align with God's word, what am I doing? I am taking it captive. The, the original language here, the original definition of take captive is to take captive with a spear to the back. That's what the original Greek means. If you look up, the, if you do some research on it, to take captive with a spear to the back—it's an aggressive thing. If it shows up, it's an enemy behind behind our lines. And what do I have to do when that thought shows up that doesn't align with God's word? I have to capture it immediately. I can't let it linger. Why? Because thoughts that don't align with God's word become strongholds if they linger. Thoughts that don't align with God's word, they become strongholds in our lives if they linger. This happens in the church world all the time. Religious people, good Christian people have strongholds, but they're religious strongholds. They're things that have held them back. An easy example is with healing. We've been talking about this a lot lately as we've been going through this series. We've been talking about God's will to heal. God wants his people. Jesus paid a high price so that you could have healing in your body. But what happens? Along the way, we prayed for someone and they didn't see their healing. And do I have all the answers for why they didn't receive their healing? No, I don't. But I prayed and nothing happened. And they didn't didn't get their healing. And so what happens? Many times people will take that And rather than saying, man, we prayed and nothing happened, let me get in God's word and see what God's word has to say about healing. And you're going to find out that Jesus, what did he do? He healed. He never said, oh, it's not God's will for you, but I will heal you. That wasn't what he said. He healed people. We know it's God's will to heal people. But many times when we pray, nothing happened. We take that thought and say, well, maybe it's not always God's will to heal. And we take that thought that doesn't align with God's word. You can't. There's no verses in there that shows that. We have a million verses that show us what? That it is God's will to heal. But we take that and we let it linger. And before you know it, we let it linger so long that it becomes a stronghold. And what do strongholds do? They're not necessarily a sinful thing, but strongholds will keep me from even, from even asking God for healing. For me even asking God to work in my life. I don't even have the faith to ask because I don't even think it's God's will because of one human instant rather than the truth of God's word. This is why he writes, take every thought captive when it shows up and it makes you doubt God's word. I need to get in God's word and I need to say, hang on. Does that align with God's word? If it does, I believe it. If it doesn't, I have to take it captive. I have to sit it down and teach it to obey Christ, or I need to tell it to get out in Jesus' name, and I'm not going to let it linger. I'm not going to dwell on it. To live a victorious life over your enemy, we must take every thought captive. But to do that, what do I have to do? I have to know God's word. If I don't know God's word, if I'm not a student of God's word, how can I take a thought captive to make it obedient to God's word? I don't even know what his word says. I have to be reading his word, studying his word day and night. Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, look at this. Meditate on these things. What are those things? It's God's word. All of those things are God's word. God's word is true, it is noble, it is just, it is pure, it is lovely, it is of good report, it is virtue, it is praiseworthy. Meditate on that. What is meditation? It's speaking. Speak about that. Speak about what is true, what is lovely, what is praiseworthy. And look at the promise of God. If I choose to renew my mind, if I choose to speak God's word over my life, meditate on it, which renews my mind, what's the promise of God? In Isaiah twenty-six three? it says this. You, it says you, God, will keep him, that's us, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When I renew my mind by, through meditation on God's word, what am I doing? I'm fixing my thoughts on Jesus. My mind is stayed on on him, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. I'm laying aside any weight, any sin that might trip me up. I'm running with endurance to race before me. I'm fixing my eyes on him. And what happens? God says, I will keep you in perfect peace. If you need peace in your life, what does it start with? Meditating on God's word, which is helping me renew my mind. And when my mind is fixed on him, he says, I will give you perfect peace. Point number three is this, as we wrap up. Why do I need to meditate? It brings blessing. Meditating on God's word, it brings blessing in our lives. Let's look at Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. It says this, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night verse 3 he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper we look at these key these key words in verses 1 and 2 it says what who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands nor sits what do we see there? We see a progression. Walks, stands, sits. Many times in our lives, I know many Christians who have good intentions. Well, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna, I'm gonna save the lost. Now I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna get and surround myself with, with lost people so that I can win them for Christ. But can I just tell us to take a moment to step back and to look at the example of Jesus. Look at the example of Jesus. Jesus, what did he do? He lived his life in such a way, he was so far above reproach, but yet did he eat with sinners? Yes. Did he hang out with people that were outcasts? Yes, he did. But he lived his life in such a way that he bared fruit of the kingdom. And because he was bearing fruit of the kingdom, what, even the worst, nastiest sinners would run to Jesus. They would run to him. Look at Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus in his fancy robe, this rich, this rich man. He, what does he do? He climbs up in a tree. He's a crook. He's a thief. But he climbs the tree to see Jesus. He took the first step. And because Jesus saw him coming and he was willing, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to eat at your house today. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And Zacchaeus was forever changed. But many times what we do, if we're not careful, is we say, I'm going to win people. i got a heart to win people, and I'm going to try to win the loss. And what I do is I surround myself with lost people, but I surround myself with people that are, have influence into my life. And before I know it, what am I doing? I am walking in the counsel of the ungodly. I've surrounded myself with lost people, more lost people than faith-filled believers. I'm walking in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm just passing by, but I'm walking with them. And if I'm not careful, what will I do? I'll stand and linger a little bit in the path of sinners. And if I'm not careful, what will I do? I will sit down in the seat of the scornful. What happens whenever I sit down? When I sit down, I have become just like them. Can I tell you, I'm not called to be like them. You're not called to be like the world. You're supposed to be in the world, yes. But again, you're supposed to shine bright. What did Jesus do? Though he sat with them, they made the first move. I have to make sure that when I'm meditating on God's word, what is the biggest thing it helps me do? It helps me walk in obedience to God's word. And so, if I'm putting myself in a compromising situation to try to win lost people, but I'm, I'm but in doing so, I am walking in disobedience to God's word. I'm doing more harm than good, because God's word says, "Look, don't do it. Don't walk. Don't stand. And don't sit." But what are you called to do? You're called to delight in the law of the Lord. That means I take joy in obeying his word and I meditate on it, what, day and night. I'm speaking about it day and night. And what's the promise from God? In verse three, it says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. This is what Abide Church is all about. We want to help people abide in Jesus. That means I live in unison with him and I produce his fruit. I produce his fruit, his power, his joy, his love. It comes out of me. I'm producing fruit because what I'm planted By the rivers of water. Look at this. Whose leaf shall not wither. What did Jesus say? He said, look, anyone who drinks of my cup of the water I shall give, you'll never thirst again. Though I may have needs come up in my life, I know that Jesus satisfies me. I don't need that stuff. I have stuff that's pressing on me. But guess what? Jesus is all that I need. He is my source for everything. He satisfies me. I don't thirst for other things. And when I meditate, what does he say? Whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever you put your hand to will prosper. But what's your job? Obedience. Obedience. When I meditate on God's word, I know his word. I speak it over my life. It helps me walk in obedience to him. And when I walk in obedience and I don't walk with sinners and I don't stand and I don't sit with them, but I walk and I live my life in righteousness, and purity. Guess what happens? I get the chance to lead people to Christ. And God says that everything I put my hand to will prosper. You know, this, I don't know if many of you know this, but I used to work at Chick-fil-A. I, the first season of my life, I worked there at Chick-fil-A and I did all, all things back, uh, you know, in the kitchen, up front, in the drive-thru. I worked everywhere. And it was a great experience for me. But I hate to burst your bubble, but there's not all, it's not just Christians that work at Chick-fil-A. There's a lot of hurt people at Chick-fil-A, a lot of lost people that work at Chick-fil-A. And in the season of working at Chick-fil-A, I came in, and I didn't come in, and I didn't go into the break room and start preaching Jesus with my Bible open and say, hey, if you guys, if you guys don't get your act together, you're going to hell. That's not what I said. <laughs> I just came in, and I kept my eyes fixed on Jesus, I meditated on His Word day and night. I'd be back there, bread and chicken, frying chicken in the back. And while I was doing it, I was praying in the Spirit, meditating on God's Word. No one heard me. I wasn't being weird, just quietly to myself, just working, loving on God, spending time with Him. But can I tell you this? As I went through and as people and my coworkers were going through things in their life and as they faced issues in their life, can I tell you what would happen? Whenever they needed someone to talk to, whenever they needed good advice, who did they come to? To me. Not because I'm so great, not because I have all the answers, but they saw the way that I lived my life day in and day out. showed up early. I had a great attitude and I was willing to stay late just like Jesus would. And what happened? When they needed help, they would come to me and, and ask, hey man, can we sit and talk after work? You bet. And guess what? It wasn't even about me. I didn't give them my wisdom. I didn't give them my insight because I was meditating on God's word. I got to give them God's wisdom and say, hey, here's what God's word says about that situation that you're facing. Here's what God's word says. And that's truth. That's truth about your situation right here in God's word. Let me share it with you. But guess what? I didn't have to run and bang down the door to reach them. When I lived my life walking in obedience, meditating on God's word. Guess what? God opened the door for me to reach lost and hurting people. And guess what? Everything I put my hand to prospered in that season of my life. God showed his blessing. He poured out his blessing on my life. It all starts with what? Meditating. Meditating on God's word. Let's look at this last verse. Joshua 1.8 says this, This is the new living. It's a little bit different, but I love it. It says this. It sums it up. Study this book of instruction. What? Continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Only then. When I study, when I meditate, when I obey, then I will prosper. Here's your action steps for today. This may seem so elementary, but if you will do this, I promise you, God will transform your life. This is how we meditate. Here's the action steps. How do I meditate practically? Number one, I need to study God's word. I need to speak God's word, number two. And number three, I need to obey God's word. If I'm not a student of God's word, I don't know what to meditate on. I'll meditate on something, but it won't be his word. I need to know what to speak. When I speak God's word, guess what? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. God can will life for you. But you can walk into a situation and speak death. And guess what? You'll never see the life that God has willed in your life. You'll never experience it. All you'll experience is death because what? You didn't do your part, which is what? Meditate. I got to study. I got to meditate, which is what? Speaking God's word every single day. And when I speak God's word, what? It helps me obey God's word. Jesus said this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey my word is what he's saying. When I walk in obedience, I'm just showing Jesus how much I love him. When I walk free from sin, when I don't let things distract me, when I keep my eyes on him and I live pure, I'm showing Jesus, Jesus, I love you this much. It's not a burden. It's not hard. God, why? Because I am abiding in him, close with him, and what I get to produce his fruit, which is obedience, which is righteousness. Here's the reflection question as we wrap up. This is for you as you go home today, as you talk with your spouse, as you get together with friends and talk about in your community groups. Here's the reflection question. What things do I need to change or adjust in my life so I can meditate on a daily basis? What things do I need to change? What things do I need to meditate on? What things do I need to adjust? What things do I need to change or adjust? For some of you, maybe you need to wake up a little bit earlier so you can start studying Maybe you need to work on studying God's word. Maybe you don't have a time where you've set aside to be in his word every single day. Maybe that's the thing you need to change or adjust. i got to get up a little bit earlier. Maybe for you, you need to eliminate some distractions. Maybe you need to take this phone and need to throw it out for a little bit. Put it away. Put it in a different room overnight. Whatever it is, eliminate some distractions so that you can focus on God. Maybe for you, you need to work on obeying. I need to change something. I need to adjust something. I need to get an accountability partner. I need to get someone in my life who's going to point me towards Jesus. I need to work on obeying. I need to finally get rid of the sin that's been holding me back so that I can run the race with endurance. What things do you need to change or adjust so that you can meditate better? Why? Because when I meditate on God's word, it's not something weird, some weird, you know, (laughs) noise that I'm making. What is it? Meditation is speaking. I'm going to speak God's word. And when I speak God's word, it builds my faith. It builds my faith. It helps me walk in obedience to God. And it brings blessing to me into my life. And I get to live out the God's perfect will for me. But it starts with the simple act of meditating on his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. We thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. God, we choose right now to believe your word above any word. And God, right now, as we choose this week to be purposeful and meditating on your word, we want to speak your word. We want to speak it as we go through our life. God, we want to meditate on it day and night. And Lord, we believe that your word is true, that you have promised if we meditate, that as we go, you're going to build our faith. You're going to help us walk closely with you. You're going to help us produce your fruit. God, you're going to give us wisdom. You're going to give us boldness. You're going to help us walk in righteousness. And God, we thank you that you're going to give us blessing. Your word promises that everything we put our hand to will prosper. But God, we're going to do our part. We don't expect you to move if we don't move. And so we're going to move this week. We're going to walk in obedience. And we're going to meditate on your word day and night. And we thank you in advance for everything you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.